Okay, so we're talking about rivers in the wasteland. And I feel like I got to know you guys a little bit better today. We had our foundations of the faith. We were talking about school and how that had changed throughout the past year. And I asked you guys this morning to be thinking about what it means to prepare for something. And the way that we did that, it's kind of meta here. We were actually preparing for tonight. So we were making sure that we were ready for what God was going to do in our hearts this evening. So we were kind of preparing the soil. I know that later on this week, we're going to be doing some preparing in the prayer garden, right? We're going to do some work in there, kind of prepare the soil. And we today are going to be digging into some scriptures, but I want to prepare first with a quick word of prayer. Lord, let this word be from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, you didn't think it was going to be that quick because I said quick and people always say like quick word of prayer and then they say, or how many of you have that pastor where it's like, and in closing, and you're like, okay, it's another half hour. Let's see if I'll make the game. But we're going to be on time, on schedule. There's a, actually an old preacher's proverb, and it says, he who is short is asked to come again. So it must have worked because this is my second time here. So we're going to go ahead and dive right into today's scripture, and that's going to come from, is my keyboard on? There we go. Mark chapter 4. So if you want to flip in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, we're going to read a huge chunk of scripture today. And I love, this is actually one of my pastors, my senior pastor's favorite scriptures, Mark chapter 4. They're actually teaching about this back home where it is currently like 90 degrees. So I love it here. It's so fresh. It's amazing. We're going to be reading Mark chapter 4, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever comes after 15, 17, 18, 19, and 20 today. But I'm going to chop it up. We'll take it slowly. And I've got a picture there for you. It's printed in color in your notes as we're going through your packet. And I'm reading out of the ESV. I really hope that's okay. But we'll go ahead and dive right in. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and set it out on the lake when all the people were at the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, verse 3, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and birds came and ate it up. Some people, sorry, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Verse 10, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables, and he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may ever be seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. See, Jesus told stories so that the people would understand him. Because Jesus, in case you didn't know, Jesus was like God, born in a baby suit, and he grew up among us, 
And he knew so much. Some of you in our biblical foundation times, we were talking about adolescent psychology and how the language centers of the brain work when you process things and then you tell your mouth to form the words and you've got your glottal stops and all the different accents that come out of your mouth. And we're just now discovering all of that. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus was like, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like he knew all this brain psychology stuff because he's Jesus. He's awesome. I'm a big fan of Jesus. I always joke with my sister. She's like, bub, what are you going to preach about? I'm like, Jesus. And you can never go wrong, right? You never have to worry about a minister preaching about Jesus because you know he's going to be reading from the word of God. So Jesus is explaining to his people, his homies, the 12 guys that he rolled with, they would probably, would 12 people fit in a super bunk? Would 12 people fit in one bunk? How about it, JT? Would 12 people, okay, all right, we've got this. I've got it on good authority that 12 people can actually fit in one bunk. Don't try this at home, kids. So verse 13, Jesus is explaining to his super bunk. He said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed sown in rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And so others, like the seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. In verse 20, others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. As my Catholic friends would say, this is the word of the Lord. And as my Mandalorian friends would say, this is the way. So Jesus is explaining himself in this parable. And we've been talking about preparation today. So here's my big question for you guys tonight. What's in the soil. What's in the soil? So if you're following along, you can take your notes, and we're going to talk about the four kinds of soil, but today we're asking, what, what's in the soil? What's in there? Now, I told a lot of you guys this morning that I love watching dog videos. You guys know that about me already, and I feel like I know a little bit more about you, the guys who put the frog in your teacher's desk. I am, I'm going to go home and install locks on my desk now, my teacher desk. <laughs> Because I teach across the hall from the biology teachers. Isn't that right? That's right. So Miss Rebecca knows what I'm talking about. Some of my favorite teachers have been biology teachers. Come on, man. Come on. Let's go. So that's a, that's a parable between her and I. Like, you guys, you're outside. You don't perceive that. So we're going to talk about what's in the soil. And we're going to look at four types of soil and how we can prepare our hearts to be good ground for God's word. Because... From dust we came, and to dust we will return. But it's a metaphor here, okay? It's a metaphor. Now, back to the dog videos. My favorite dog video of all time, and you can look it up on YouTube. It's got over 34 million views. Don't look it up right now, okay? But it's called Ultimate Dog Tease. And so what it is, is this dog. He's like a mix, kind of like a brindle-looking shepherd cross. And it's a voiceover. It's not actually him. Like somebody recorded the dog and they sent it in. And so this guy's talking to his dog. He's like, I went to the fridge earlier. And the dog goes, yeah, I was in there. And so he tells him, he's like, there was meat, like beef, 
steak. Well, I ate it. And the dog goes, you're kidding me. And it looks like he's saying this because of his mouth and everything. And he goes, but I went back to the fridge. Yeah. And there was some bacon, the maple bacon. The maple kind, yeah? Yeah, the maple kind. And I ate that too. It's like, oh, you're killing me. And then so finally he goes, but I went one more time. And then the dog starts wagging his tail. And he says, and I got something and I covered it with cheese. And then guess what? And the dog goes, what? I gave it to the cat. And then the dog goes, <laughs> and that's how the video stops. It's like a minute long. So today, whenever someone says, what's in there? I always think of that dog because he's like, yeah, what was in there? So today, I want you to think, like if your heart were a fridge, we're asking what's in there. But the metaphor we're using today is soil. We're all different types of ground. And we'll talk first about, if you want to fill this in, wayside soil, soil along the path. It's soil on the path, and it wasn't prepared, and it wasn't protected. The soil wasn't prepared, and it wasn't protected. And so when we look at wayside soil, I mean, we've got paths around here. We've got people driving through the grass. We've got people avoiding the the chug holes, as they've been referred to. And you notice that those are often barren stretches of land. Stuff doesn't grow there because it just ran over. It's not meant to grow there. That is a thoroughfare. That is a throughfare. You go... It's not protected in any way. If there were a tree in the middle of the road, that causes a problem because trees don't belong in the road. They belong on the sides of the road. You guys have really tall trees here. I appreciate your trees very much. But when we look at soil that's on the pathway, it's not prepared. It's not protected. It's not taken care of. This soil didn't make the seed a priority. Now, remember, we also talked this morning about multitasking. How many of you think you're great at multitasking? See, it's a trick question because I told you guys this morning, multitasking is a myth. Your brain actually just rapidly switches and neither one of the tasks are done very well. Because multitasking doesn't mean, well, you're both important to me, so let me tackle both of these things at the same time. It really means neither of you are important enough for me to give you my full attention. And that's what I think of when I think of wayside soil. It wasn't prepared and it wasn't protected. It was just out there for people to come snatch it. They didn't protect the seed. And so if we're examining our hearts tonight and we're thinking, how can I prepare my ground? How can I prepare my heart? We'll think about what we do with the word of God. Do we protect it? You know, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And if we're talking about the heart as if it's a piece of soil, a piece of ground, it has to be cultivated. This wayside soil, it's just thrown on there. Like you just get home, you kick off your shoes, you take your Bible, you just throw your Bible on the counter, and then you don't touch it until next Sunday because the seed is not important. Whatever is important is prepared and protected. And prepared and protected. How many of you have a screen protector on your phone? Yeah, because it is important to you. Some of you guys, that phone's worth like $1,000. You'd better put a screen protector on your phone. Because I know that your parents would be like, I'm not buying you another phone. You better take care of this phone. But whatever is important to us, we protect that. And so as a side note here, we're talking about wayside soil. We have to protect the word of God. Not that it's vulnerable, but we don't want it to be taken from us. Don't let anyone take away the word that's inside of you. We need to protect it. Any gamers out there? We've talked about it the last couple days. I used to have, I'm dating myself here a little bit, 
a PlayStation Portable. You guys remember those things? It's basically like a little Nintendo Switch from Sony. And they would have like these little tiny discs and you would put them in there and play your little games and then the Madden stuff would come out and that got EA Sports. It's in the game. And I had, it was a special edition, like navy blue. It was amazing. And it came with Madden 09 and some other, like a little movie. And so I was playing this game and I would play it all the time. And I went to college and I would play in college and stuff. And so one day I'm talking to this guy and it's hot. So I take my hoodie off and inside my hoodie was my PSP. And I didn't want to drop it because remember, it's valuable. So I fold my hoodie and I put it on top of my PSP. And I'm talking to this guy in the quad at Texas State University with an enrollment of 32,000 students. And then it's time for my next class. And I say, hey, I got to go to my next class. It was great catching up. So I pick up my hoodie and I leave. And I get about maybe 100 yards away and I stop. Why do you guys think I stopped? I forgot my PSP. So I'm like, oop. Let's try this again. So I walk back to the bench, and it's gone. Oh, I don't know if you have ever had something stolen from you, but that feeling, it just kind of starts like right in here, and then it shoots down your legs, and then it comes up to your chest, and your heart's like, (laughs) and then you feel like trembly. You know what I'm talking about? And you have like this little buzzing sensation at the base of your skull, and you're just like, I never saw it again, ever. And I should have protected it, right? It's just a simple mistake. You set it down and you leave and you forget that there's 30,000 other people at this university and they walk by and they're like, oh, looky here, don't mind if I do. And it walked off, never saw it again. Now, 10 years later, I've got all those games on my phone anyways, so it's not a big loss. For those of you who don't enjoy the universe known as Android, you can do that type of thing. I'll tell you how later. But the important thing here is I thought I liked this item. I thought it was valuable to me, but in that moment, I didn't protect it. And many times we have something incredible happen to us at church or at camp, and we say, man, that's, that's awesome, and God's calling me somewhere. But then we get distracted somehow, and we don't protect that. You say, man, you know what? I think that God has called me to do this or God's called me to do that. And then somewhere along the way, we, we forget to protect that and we forget to guard it. We get distracted and somehow the enemy comes and takes that away from us. And he loves to do that. I mean, you think about John chapter 10 and verse 10. Jesus is describing like, let's make Satan a Facebook profile. And so they put the little picture of the devil and he goes, devil. What do we need to know about the devil? Well, he likes to steal It's the first thing he likes to do. He also likes to kill and destroy. But you think about this. Jesus says, hey, the word that I'm giving you, it needs to be protected because as soon as I give it to you, somebody's going to try and take it. Have any of you had something stolen from you before? Oh, it's not a good feeling. You feel helpless and powerless and then you feel guilty and responsible. Like, man, I should have done something different. If only I could go back in time. If only I could fix, I should have protected that. That's just a very small inkling of what you're eventually going to feel when you have children and you're like, I'm going to watch over this thing until it grows up and becomes an adult and I have to take care of it. And you just want to run around with your kid in like a little bubble because they're precious. They need to be protected. 
You are someone. I'm sorry. You are someone's kid. You are precious. You need to be protected. Right? Now, we're all working here together at Eagle Ridge to protect you guys. That's why we got those rules so you don't rip off your pinky toe because your little pinky toe needs to be protected. And the word that you are given at this camp, at church, at youth group, it needs to be protected. Don't let anyone take away the word that's inside of you or you'll end up like this wayside soil. Let's look at this. Number two. Rocky soil, not rocky like the boxer, right? Adrian! Rocky is in like pebbles and stones, very shallow topsoil. It's not rich. It's not conducive to growth. And it dries up very easily. So this rocky soil here, it didn't have any depth and the seed didn't take root. At the first sign of difficulty or stress, it died. Last night, we talked about how it's very easy to tell God, God, change my situation, change my circumstances. But there are instances where he needs us to grow some roots. We can't rely on perfect circumstances to grow our faith. Remember, we mentioned the hurricanes this morning. Well, hurricanes have a tendency to have very strong winds, and the only trees that survive are ones with the strongest roots. The trees with the strongest roots survive, but it takes time. In fact, many people tell us that we see trees grow up very high, but just as far out as the branches reach, many times that's how far the roots will reach as well. So rocky soil didn't have depth. It was very shallow, very shallow in its understanding. Deeply rooted trees can withstand strong winds, and deeply rooted people can withstand strong circumstances. Because many kids, they grow up and they have a blast at children's church and vacation Bible schools and camps and everything. But then something happens because life happens. And then they blame God because their understanding of him isn't deep. It's not rooted. We're not rooted and grounded in Christ. You know, we sing a song. I say we, meaning probably the adults. You may have heard it before, but it says, Like a tree planted by the river, I shall not be moved. And that's because that tree has really strong roots. And if we're shallow like this rocky soil, if we just let it dry up and wither away, if we're really excited this week, but we don't go back and study God's word, if we don't get plugged in, if we don't hold ourselves accountable, we're not going to have this deep root that's going to withstand a drought. Because many times we say, oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of a desert. And then an adult will come along and be like, no, 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 sweetie, this is just a drought. It'll be okay, right? How many of you have ever gotten a text message and then you can't sleep that night because you're like, this changes everything. Oh, my gosh. How could they tell me that? And then they text you back the next day. You're like, oh, my bad. That was autocorrect. I didn't mean to say that. But for those 12 hours, oh, my gosh, your life was entirely changed by that one message on your phone. And we'll talk about phones in 12 hours here in a little bit. But rocky soil is shallow. Deeply rooted trees can withstand strong winds and deeply rooted people can withstand strong circumstances. So don't let God's word dry up inside of you. You have to be able to withstand those strong winds because everybody, the Bible even says, I love telling my youth group students this. I was like, you want to hear a promise from Jesus? And they're like, yeah. I was like, all right. John 16, 33 says this, and you can count on it because Jesus said it. In this world, you will have troubles. Nobody likes that. 
Everyone's like, no, no, Jesus, right? Read me the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Which is round, not flat. I think we talked about that. So we have here people who don't allow the word of God to take root. Deeply rooted trees can withstand strong winds. Deeply rooted people can withstand strong circumstances. So when maybe you do get a text message, I remember it was six years ago. I was spending the night with some family friends because I had a school trip in the morning. I had to do debate. Any of you in debate? So in Texas, Texas is big, okay? So when I say we took a debate trip, I mean that we drove four hours away and we're still in Texas, right? We may have only crossed two counties in Texas. So we went to the valley from Victoria. So we were doing a debate trip. But the night before, we got a text message, pastor has been involved in a crash. They were T-boned by an 18-wheeler. Yeah, and they had pictures, and I'm like, this could be it. So thankfully, where it hit them, it was like the back seat of the passenger side, or it would have taken them out. So they were able to make it through, and they were okay. But I'll never forget this. I woke up, and my family friends, they know my parents from way back, and they're closer than, like, my grandparents because God redeemed that situation. I really didn't know my mother's father my entire life. And so these people, they're like my grandparents. And so I said, oh my gosh, look what I just found out. And so I call him Popo. His name is Uvense Davila. So that's why I call him Popo. And he goes, mijo, we can pray right now. We can pray. And I said, yeah, let's pray. And so we shared that moment, 9.36 p.m. I don't even live with these people. But here we are, the family of God, rooted and grounded. And when we're faced with these incredible circumstances, what do we do? We pray because he had deep roots. He didn't just let the word dry up. He didn't just hear pastor on Sundays and be like, good word, pastor. You made me laugh. You made me cry. It moved me. And then you forget about it. No. Because another time I was staying with him, I stay with him a lot because I travel a lot. And I had to use the restroom because... Well, everybody uses the restroom. So anyways, I had to use the restroom, and I woke up at like 10.30 at night, and I was like, well, let me be quiet. I don't want to wake him up. And so I'm going through, and then I look, and he's sitting right there at the kitchen table. And I'm like, what are you doing awake? And he goes, oh, hey. He's real short and a sweet old man, but he's reading his Bible. And I'm like, look at that. You know, everybody else is asleep, and he's putting in the time to dig his roots deep. And he prays for his children. He prays for his grandchildren. His heart is so big that he offers his love to people like me. We're not even related, right? But his roots are deep. And I like that. I like the image of roots here because Jesus said that this rocky soil, it got the same word. All of these soils got the same word. And the first one didn't protect it. So it was taken away. And the second one didn't let it dig deep. So it just dried up. Like some of the friendships that you've made at school, sports teams, even at camp. And at the time, it's like, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. And then you don't let it grow and develop, and you forget about those people. Sometimes I'll see a Facebook update, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot we're Facebook friends. Or not friends, but they work with somebody you know, and you're like, I have to accept this request. And this is a whole social thing when you're an adult. You'll, you'll get there. 
the wayside soil, they didn't make the seed a priority. Like, yeah, I'm not going to let it grow down. And the third one, oh, the third one. We're going to chew on this for a few minutes. The third one's the thorns, among thorns. And don't let other things choke the word that is inside you. So this soil was good. There's nothing wrong with this soil. It was very fertile. It grew. The first soil didn't grow. The second soil didn't grow. This one did grow. But it grew other things too. Other things grew up around it and choked the word. And here is a hard saying. I used to listen to this guy. Well, I'd still listen to him, like if he's on the radio. But there's an artist called Jimmy Needham. And he has a song called Clear the Stage from his album called Clear the Stage. And so the song where he sings Clear the Stage, what he's saying is get rid of all the sound equipment, get rid of the microphones, turn off the lights, and then the bridge of that song, he says, anything I want more than my God is an idol. So we're going to have kind of a moment of transparency here. When I first got a smartphone, I was amazed at everything that was available to me. I love to read. I've always loved to read. And I just want to know a little bit about everything. Like everything. You know how some people, they know everything about dinosaurs, right? You grow up and you're like, well, actually, the T-Rex should not be in Jurassic Park because they rose mostly in the Cretaceous era, which was two epochs of time later. They're off by about 27,000 years. Right? There's always that one kid who knows everything about the dinosaurs. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, look at my pterodactyl. Well, actually, the beak of that is more rounded, so it's more similar to a pteranodon. But there's the dinosaur kids, right? Or... I went to school with this guy. He was all about sports statistics. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, yeah. And this is the thing. I'm having to fight this every year with my students because they're like, hey, Mr. Six, you know LeBron's the greatest of all time, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't have time for this. So <laughs> first of all, he's not, okay? It's Michael Jeffrey Jordan. He's just putting that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Sound doctrine up here in the Free Methodist Church. I love it. I love it. And so I have to talk to them about statistics and all these different things. And, of course, this year, I mean, he lost the first round of the playoffs. So that was very, very LeBron-like. But there's always that kid who's all about statistics. You've got the dinosaur kid. You've got the sports statistic kid. And these people, they, like, they'll go way back. And they're like, well, actually, the University of Alabama technically has 17 national championships because in 1921, the AP split between them and the University of Louisiana. And it's like, oh, okay. So there's the stats kid. There's the, there's the celebrity gossip kid. You know what I'm talking about? Like, who is J-Lo with now? Who knows? I mean, it's just, it's all these different, is she back with Ben? Is she still with A-Rod? Is she with the other Ben? Is Ben with the other Jen? Or the other, other, and it's just, there's always the kid who's up to date on the celebrity gossip. And so when I got my smartphone, I was able to read about everything. These are some of the things I love to read about. Uh, sports, the weather, technology, movie reviews, game tips and tricks, recipes, politics, public education, and everyone everywhere is always producing media, and they're clamoring for your attention, and Google's tracking everything, so you click one ad over here, and then it shows up in your Instagram, and then it shows up in your Facebook, and you're like, oh my gosh, Alexa's listening to everything that I say, because everyone wants your attention, everybody wants your worship. 
And that's what it comes down to. What you spend your time on is what you worship because that's the best offering that we can bring. You know, back before uh, Cain beat Abel over the head with a rock, they both brought offerings to God. And Abel brought the best of his flock. And Cain just brought some of his produce. He's just like, eh, here's some produce. Abel was like, oh, this is God. Let me give him the best. So after a while, I started to have a problem with my smartphone. Remember, our time is the best offering that we can give. And I began to have my phone in my hand when I went to sleep. I put it to charge, and then I'd wake up. I'd have my phone in my hand as soon as I wake up. And one day I was reaching, and I have pop sockets, so they like hang very neatly. I'm a big, uh, pop sockets did not sponsor this message tonight, okay? There, there's no affiliation between pop sockets and the free Methodist church. But I was reaching for my phone, and I couldn't find it, so I was like, well, let me, let me look for it. But then I couldn't find my glasses, and I needed my glasses to find my glasses. You guys know the struggle? It's the worst. And then I got kind of this, uh, this impression. Now, personally, I have never audibly heard the voice of God. Okay? I support people who have, and I'm a little jealous, but I get more of like an impression, kind of like a thought seed that's planted, and I'm like, wait, that didn't come from me. Wow, that's super deep. Oh, Lord, is that you? And I got one of those that morning when I was groping around for my photo, like, what's been happening in the world without me? I need to know. And the Holy Spirit convicted me one morning, and he said this, what you reach for when you wake is what you worship. And I was like, ooh, I felt bad. I felt real bad. I'm like, oh, I'm a preacher, like bad preacher, bad. Because I was worshiping the information that was on my phone. And I had a routine, right? First Instagram, then Facebook, then Snapchat, then emails. In that order. That was my routine. And I'd scroll, I'd scroll, and I'd scroll, and I'd scroll. Oh, double tap. And then I'd scroll. And the Holy Spirit convicted me. You're worshiping that. And I'm like, God, I'm not like bowing down to my phone. Oh, great phone. No, that's weird, right? Don't be weird like that. Now, some people, like, they lift their phone on high, and then they take a selfie. But that's not what I was doing. But I was spending my time with that instead of spending my time in the word. And that really convicted me. What you reach for when you wake is what you worship. And I want you to think about this. What are we allowing to take the majority of our time? Because like Abel, that is our best offering. Are we bringing God our best offering? Are we just saying, meh, yeah, God, I'll, I'll put you in there somewhere. I'll like somebody's little scripture sound bite. I'll share this image from the Bible app. But my real time is with my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my homies. What is it that is choking the word of God in our lives? Is it friends, sports, social media, games? Anything that you devote yourself to more than God's word is an idol. Because that's what Jimmy Needham said in his song. You can sing all you want to and still get it wrong because worship is more than a song. And I'm like, this brother's spitting because he got it right. He says, anything that I want more than my God is an idol. And we have a challenge for you coming up that we're going to talk to you about idols that we have in our lives. We've been checking our hearts. Yesterday, I asked you, what's in the way? What is blocking reception 
from what God has in your life. And today we're saying, what is choking the word? What is asphyxiating because there's no flow of breath? I'm sorry. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed. Theonumos in the Greek, from the lungs of God, by his inspiration. And we're not allowing that to flow. We're choking the word. And that's dangerous. Fortunately, there was some soil that was good. And it was called good ground. So we're working on becoming good ground because you guys... You are good ground. If you weren't good ground, people would not spend hundreds of billions of dollars of advertising dollars to sow into your life. If you didn't matter, nobody would spend money on you. But they spend the most amount of money on you because they say, oh, this person, they're popular on social media. So we'll pay them hundreds of thousands of dollars to endorse our product so that you will see it and you will say it's cool. And you will do the dance, and you will wear the clothes, and you will buy the products, and you will follow, and you will do this because it's cool. Because you see that these people are worshiping it, and you want to be like them. But good ground is the same thing as thorny ground. It just doesn't have any thorns. It just allows the good fruit to come up. The soil was prepared for the seed. It protected the seed. It watered the seed. It nurtured the plant, and it bore much fruit. Now, you guys, you're not all going to grow up to be ministers. Like, I get that. But you will bear fruit of some sort. Most of you are going to have kids. Most of you are going to have careers where you train other people. All of you will have some way that you can contribute to the body of Christ, whether that's an usher, whether that's ministry of helps, whether you are a minister, whether it's like our counselors who are giving of their time to come so into your life because their life has been touched by this place and this ministry. That is what I see when I see good fruit because they watered that seed. They took care of that seed. They prepared the soil for the word of God and you are good ground. And that's why I think I heard someone say it earlier at dinner, you're under attack. See, You are the future, not only of this country, right, America, but you're the future of the American church. Now, the church is not just in America. There's millions and billions of us all over the planet. But in this area, you are the people who are either going to go on missions trips or send people to go on missions trips because people from other countries aren't paying for people from America to go on missions trips. That's the reality of where we are. And if the enemy... Satan, who likes to steal and kill and destroy, if he can steal your attention and kill the seed of the word of God that's within you, he can try and to destroy the mission of the next generation. Now, you're not all going to be missionaries, but you will have a mission somewhere. Every one of you contributes to the body of Christ. The way that the Bible says it is that we are all members of one body, just as we're all members of one faith, and every joint supplies. Think about... If you were to stub your pinky toe, it hurts. And your whole body takes part in that pain. In the same way, we are all part of the body of Christ and we need to bear good fruit. Because people are depending on you. Whether you're in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, just graduated. People are watching you. And your actions are actually seeds in their lives. 
In the same way that we have counselors who are a product of Eagle Ridge, you are going to take this with you, and people are going to see how you've changed. They're going to see the fruit that you bear, unless you don't take care of it, unless you don't protect it, and you allow someone to steal it away. Like, hey, girl, where were you last week? We missed you. Oh, this is busy church thing. Oh, okay, well, that's over and done with. Come on, let's go do this. We're going to sneak out and, you know, we're going to say we're at Sally's mom's house, but we're not actually going to Sally's mom's house. And then, oh, am I going to protect this word that I got? Or I'm just going to let somebody take it? Or someone will try and test, oh, what'd y'all do at Eagle Ridge? And you're going to have that opportunity to tell them, or you're going to have that opportunity to just give it away. Oh, well, it's just on the wayside. It's just something that happened, and then I moved on. Or you'll be really excited for a short amount of time, but then tough circumstances will come and you just kind of, yeah, that was a thing that happened that one time, but, you know, in my journey, it just wasn't that important. And this is the most dangerous one because it is good ground. It takes root. It grows up, but other things take away from it. And this is our challenge to you. Starting tonight... At midnight, we are going to institute a digital desert. And we're going to ask you guys until noon tomorrow, correct? Until noon tomorrow, to not take part in any form of electronic communication. Okay? Now, if there's an emergency, obviously, you need to get a hold of one of your counselors. That's fine. But I want you guys to allow these next 12 hours for the word that we've listened to to take root, the things that we talked about in spiritual formations, biblical foundations, the conversations that you and I had about relationships and authenticity, it takes time to grow. Just like we talked about this morning that you can't just do an online worksheet and learn something, it takes time to learn the word of God. The people in Jesus's super bunk needed another explanation. Jesus's famous for saying, again, I say unto you, like that DJ guy that was a Khaled. He's like, another one. It's basically Jesus. It's like, oh, you guys still don't get it. You want a parable? Here's another one. There's a farmer. Hey, let me tell you about the guy with the pearl. Yeah. Let me tell you about the the girl with the lamp, right? She almost burned her house down because she was going to put it under her bed. So Jesus teaches us in parables because he wants us to understand I love the way Jesus teaches. In fact, in my full-time job, I try and teach like Jesus teaches. Sometimes that means I want to flip some tables because he did that, so it's biblically accurate. But I refrain from flipping the tables because it's different than when Jesus did it. I'm not Jesus. But I want you guys to protect this word. We're going to be tackling some, some issues that you're dealing with. We're going to be talking about what the word of God says to us at our age. I love, I've got this pastor that I follow in Oklahoma, and he's been doing children's ministry for 30 years, which is basically how he built his church, because they all grew up and had babies, and now he's like, oh, look at all these kids, let's make a church. But he says this, there's no junior Jesus, because there's no junior Satan. Satan doesn't come after you with the kitty gloves on. He comes after your life to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We live in a nation that, unfortunately, doesn't even protect you when you're not born yet. And if Satan can kill you there, he doesn't have to worry about stealing the word from you at Eagle Ridge because you didn't make it. 
And then if you don't make it there, well, he says, well, then let me come after them as early as possible. Let me confuse them. Let me uh, make them feel unsafe. Let me send people to attack them in as many areas as I can, because Satan's not your friend. I'm not trying to scare anybody here, okay? That's just what he does. But thankfully, Jesus gives us the church here on the earth to guide us, to protect us, to give us something to do, something to look forward to, places to exercise our gifts. Bethany went to Eagle Ridge. Now she's playing at Eagle Ridge. And I want you guys to think, what is God stirring up in your heart and how do we need to protect it? And I say we because the church is a community. You're not alone. Maybe you feel like, yeah, you know what, Brother Jonathan, I'm going to go home and my parents aren't exactly going to sit me down on the couch and say, how can we pray with you today about what God did at Eagle Ridge, sweetheart? But there are people around you who can help to protect you. Your counselors, your church back home, the people here that are working together so that God can move in your heart because this seed needs to be protected. Just like you are a seed and you need to be protected. The word inside of you needs to be protected because somebody's always going to come after it, whether they can steal it right away, whether you get really excited, but you don't water it and it doesn't take root or whether other things will distract you and eventually choke the seed that's in your heart. So that is what I wanted us to focus on tonight. And I want to say a word of prayer over you just to kind of seal tonight's message as we move forward. All of these messages are connected. It's all connected. And as we move forward in our digital desert, which I think Andrew is going to talk to us a little bit more about when I'm done here, I want to make sure that we're doing this for the right reasons and that we get the most good out of it. So as we draw to a close, like actually draw to a close, not like some people draw to a close, I want you to pray with me. Would you pray with me this evening? Father God, thank you so much for Jesus, the word made flesh that you sent to earth to teach us what the word of God really means, how it points to him, how he's redeemed us, how he wants to sow good seed inside of our lives, in our hearts, that we can bear good fruit. And God, whatever is going on in our lives, you know these students better than I do, better than the people who brought them. God, you know them better than they know themselves because you already know what you have planned for their futures. Thoughts that you think towards them to prosper them, not to harm them, to give them a future and a hope. God, I thank you that we stand on your word like you say in Jeremiah 1.5 where you say, before you were born, I knew you. I had already appointed you a prophet among the nations. Lord, whatever is trying to choke the word of God in the lives of these young people, I pray, Father, that you would continue to move in our hearts unhindered this week. All the noise of the outside world, we just put it aside. We put all that on pause. We are here. We are wholly and completely here with you in this place. That's what it was designed for. That's what's been prayed over it from the foundations when the founders broke the soil. God, we know what's in this soil here at Eagle Ridge. And I pray that you would open the eyes of understanding of all of these students, from the youngest to the oldest, that they would see what's inside of their heart, that the word of God would take root, that no one would be able to steal it from them, and that it would bear good fruit. And we all pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.